Good morning. Now, I don't know if you can tell, but we're packed this morning. It's very exciting. Uh, may, may very well be an in-house uh, attendance record for us. It's hard to beat our attendance record. Last year, Church at the Beach always draws a big crowd. Um, and, and I don't know that we could even fit as many. What was it, 140 was at the beach? 142? I think we're pretty close. Um, I don't know if you, we've been saying this for weeks now. We've got a couple of folks from Elam that have been joining us. Uh, we've got some, uh, some Bible school students that uh, uh, have been assigned to our church. We, we've opened ourselves up and said, hey, we'd love to have a, a group come and work with us. And so they officially started today. Um, since the beginning of the year, we've had a few of them coming in and helping out and checking us out just because they liked us and thought it would be fun. But now they're actually officially um, from school being sent, so we've got to, you guys could just wave over there at the table. All right. They're helping us out here. They got here bright and early, and we're helping set up, and, uh, and they're going to be helping out in whatever, ways we, we, in whatever way we can put them to work. Uh, very exciting. And then we've got people here from um, Arizona today and Virginia and Kendall. People came all the way from Kendall. It's crazy. You got to really love the Lord to come all the way from there. And, and no, we're we're just excited. We're excited to have you guys coming and and uh, excited for what God's doing. We are in. Uh, I want to say the middle, but we're getting toward the end of of a series that is really very challenging. And like Pastor Rob said, I, I have to tell you, I'm a little nervous this morning because. This is not one of those topics that you're just real excited to get out and share with people because, I don't know about you, but when you talk about grief and grieving, it's not necessarily one of those woohoo kind of topics. Um, you know, but it's, it's important. The Lord, um, the Lord grieved, and we're going to talk about that this morning, and I'm going to show you some things in the Scripture. I don't think that Americans do grief very well. Now, I don't know what your family is like. I don't know what kind of a culture your family comes from because different cultures grieve in different ways. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched movies uh, where, where they show or, or you read in the scripture about the way that they grieve in the Middle East. It's a really big deal. The, um, there's a place in, in Jerusalem called the Wailing Wall. People just go there and they just cry and they, they wail. They're not beating on the wall. They're crying. Um, they're, they're, they're demonstrating grief. Uh, we don't do that here. I mean, maybe you have a wailing wall at your house. I don't know. But, um, but different cultures grieve in different ways. Um, it, it, but I don't think that we as Americans, and particularly as the American church, grieve very well. I don't believe that we grieve biblically. Um, I think that there's been some ideas out there that have been thrown out over the years that uh, kind of hurt us a little bit. We're going we're gonna to unpack that a little bit this morning. So enlarging your soul through grief and loss is the title of the message. And the reason that we say enlarge is because we really do believe that as we can grasp hold of this concept of, of how to grieve properly, it's an opportunity for us as Christians to grow in our faith and to have our souls expanded capacity to help others along in a grieving process and an ability to understand the ways and, and the things of God in a better way. 
the Bible actually talks about grief a lot. And I don't know if you've ever really taken the time to examine it, but two-thirds of the Psalms have to do with grief. That's a lot. There's a lot of Psalms. You ever notice that? More chapters in the book of, in the book of Psalms than any other book of the Bible. And two-thirds of them are laments. They're, they're the psalmist expressing his feelings of sorrow and grief. There's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. What is that? What is that? It's, it's grief. It's, it's the, the, the author expressing his frustration and, and his difficulty. One of the very first sermons, or the first sermon that Jesus ever preached that's recorded is, was what? Anybody know the name of it? It's a famous sermon. The Sermon on the Mount. He talks about those that mourn. Blessed are those that mourn. They will be comforted. Over and over and over again. So if you have your, your Bible with you this morning, I want to read a little bit out of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. And there's an example here of Jesus' grieving. And I want us to look at it. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. 26, 36, 46. You ready? Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go, and I pray over there. You know the story? You know where we're, where we're coming from? This is just before the betrayal. He's just had the Lord's Supper, like we just did. And he's, and he's headed. He knows that they're coming to get him, and he's going to the garden. And he is, there's a, a great weight, a great heaviness upon Jesus. And he goes to pray. Verse 37, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, and he said, oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, a second time, he went away, and he prayed. And he said, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came, and he found them asleep again. And their eyes were heavy, and he left them. And he went away again. And he prayed the third time, saying the same words. Lord, if this cup can pass. Lord, if there's another way. God, if there's another way to, to work your plan and out, can we please do it the other way? I'm freaking out here. Is really what Jesus is saying. I'm scared. I do not want to have to do what I know I have to do. God, is there any other way? That's the paraphrase. And then he came to his disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now this is a tough portion of Scripture to read. 
and there has been great debate over the, over the centuries because some people look and they read this and they don't feel that Jesus is being very Christ-like in this particular verse. What do you mean he's afraid? What do you mean he's, he's sorrowful? He is the superhero. He's the man. He can handle anything. He can do anything. He performs miracles. He, but you know what? Jesus is God, but he's also a man. And as a man, he has to go through, as, as one of mankind, he has to go through all of the same things that we go through. He has, to under, he has to be able to understand and to comprehend the difficulties that we go through. Take a look at these few things. In verse 37, it says, he was sorrowful. All right? He was, he was depressed. The Greek word horror came over him. He was troubled, severely distressed. The book of Luke uses the word anguish. All right? This was not an easy thing that Jesus was going through. I want you to imagine the stress that he was under. Having full knowledge that not only, not only was he going to be crucified, all right, bad enough as it was, the physical agony and torment and torture that Jesus was about to go through, that was the physical side of it. There was an emotional. All of his friends, the guys that he spent the last three years with, his BFFs, are about to bail on him and run and scatter in every direction. He's going to be utterly alone. One of his dearest friends betrays him. Now, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I have to imagine, you spend three years with somebody, you're going to be pretty close. These guys were together all the time. They walked miles together. They slept in, you know, we, we just got back from this camping trip on Friday night. And I got a chance to, to sleep in a big room with, with a bunch of guys. All right? And praise the Lord, there was a divider between us and the guys next to us. Because there was a guy in there that snored so loud. His kids were so angry. They were like, we thought we were getting away to get a good night's rest. And we didn't sleep at all. We don't know how mom does it. <laughs> and he gets a call from his wife. I slept horrible last night without you here. <laughs> Go figure. But you know what? So I got, I, I was, my son was in the room with me, my nephew, my brother, um, the Kearsbilk boys. And, and you know what? It was fun. And you get to know some, you know, get to know people a little bit when you're, when you're sharing a cabin together. All right? Jesus was with these guys every day. They ate together. They, 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 they camped out together. They hiked together. They spent time together. They were close. And one of these guys, Judas, was going to totally betray Jesus. Was going to go and it wasn't just, hey, I'll show you where. Do you ever wonder what does that mean? He betrayed him? It was like, couldn't anybody have just said, yeah, they're in the garden. I'll take you there. No. In order for them to go with him in the first place, he had to agree to lie. He had to agree to say, yeah, that, there's something wrong with this Jesus guy. He's kind of woohoo. He had to be willing to make a, a false statement so that they would go and they would get him. And then the biggest one, I think, of all, the most difficult thing that Jesus had to endure, the one that I don't think you and I can really comprehend, there's, there's two things. One, 
in order for him to free us from sin, he had to take on all sin. All sin that has been committed and ever will be committed. In Corinthians it says, For he who knew no sin became sin. Now I don't know if you understand the nature of sin, but sin is what separates us from God. I don't know if you've ever talked to people about the concept of heaven and and the you know the real thing that keeps us from being able someone from being able to go to heaven is not the fact that God doesn't love them. God loves everybody. No matter what. But the essence and the nature of sin is that it separates us from God. And so it's not an issue of God doesn't love somebody so they can't go to heaven. It's an issue of there's sin in their life that's unrepentant of and therefore unforgiven and they cannot, because of the nature of God, exist in his presence. It would destroy them. And it's the sacrifice of Christ on the cross that, that, and the forgiveness of the sin when you come and ask his forgiveness and he applies his shed blood to your life that now makes you able to go before the presence of God and not be destroyed by the sin that was in your life. And Jesus is taking that on himself. And for the first time in his life, the presence of God will be separated from him. And for him, that had to be terrifying. So we have the weight of his about to be separated from God and the presence of God that he's enjoyed his whole life. We have the idea that all of sin for all, t- all time and all of humanity, and, and again, I don't know that we can really appreciate what that means. The Jewish people had a much better understanding of how disgusting sin was. If you ever study what it was like in the temple, when they had to perform sacrifices, blood would flow out of that place. They were slaughtering animal after animal after animal. And the smell and the rot and the flies and the nastiness. And why was this done? To cover up sin. Because sin was so disgusting that this disgusting act had to be performed just to cover the sin. And what Jesus was going to do was going to go beyond that. He wasn't covering it anymore. He was going to make a way for it to be wiped out. He was taking all of that disgusting sin upon himself. Here's Jesus, just like you or I. He he is so overwhelmed by his grief that he collapses to the ground. And he's laying face down on the ground and he's crying out to God and he's saying, Lord, if there's another way, can we we please think of something else? This This is too much. I can't do this. Now, could he do it? Yeah. Did he do it? Yeah. He's he's having a tough time with this. Three times he goes back over and over again, and he's like, Lord, please, this is too much. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been going through something where you just cried out to God and you said, Lord, this is too much. I can't do this. I want to do a little, I need a little participation here. I want to ask you, we're talking about grief, and grief has many forms. Pastor Rob mentioned a few of them. What kind of loss can we experience as human beings? 
Now, the, f- the first one I think that comes to mind is, is the death of a loved one. All right? There's a grieving process, but there's much more to loss than that. Throw out a few other examples of losses, things that we can, what? We could, you could lose a job. That's definitely a loss. A home. A, a, a romantic relationship. What else? could be humiliated. You could have lost a reputation. Um, I I didn't hear what you said. You could lose a pet, another object of your affection and your love. What was over here? Your sports team could lose. Hey, some people, and we know that here in Bill's land more than anywhere else. (laughs) Your health is another good one. Being separated from your children, sure. Innocence, absolutely. Stability, friendships, relationships. Um, what is another one over this way? Losing your ability to get around and to connect with people. Any others? Yeah, to, to, to have to move, to, to, to lose that... Uh, you lose your home or, or, or lose the things that you're familiar with? All very good answers. All, all very good uh, examples. Death, divorce, breakups, illnesses, crushing disappointments, abuse, dreams that are dashed, relationships broken and never restored, failures, our children, our parents, doors or opportunities that have been closed, painful memories of decisions we've made, people that we've hurt. All of these things are loss. And how are we supposed to handle them? I'll tell you something. I don't think that we've been taught properly as the church. And I think that it has really damaged many people's relationships with the Lord because because you know how it is at church, right? It's good morning, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm great too. Really? Really? Are we really all that way all the time? Well, that's what the Christians look like, so I have to be that way all the time. Baloney. That is so fake. That's so not true. That's so not. Now, maybe we don't have time to get into it. Okay. Well, things are pretty rotten. Let me tell you about my week. Oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that answer. Oh, no. But you know what? We need to be ready for that. Because that's, that's what reality is. Let me tell you something. If, 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 if I ever come across that way, I want you to know I do not have it all together. I know Pastor Rob doesn't have it all together. <laughs> I mean, can you sleep out in zero degrees and have it all together? <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I, I, I walked into the campsite, and I, said, and I said to all the teenagers that were working, and I said, where are the crazies that are sleeping outside? They're like, oh, they're all over there. <laughs> Don't knock it unless you try it. I understand. I, I have a great excuse. I, there's not an extension cord long enough for my CPAP machine out in the woods. That's right. <laughs> and, and Chick will find one. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. Listen, we, nobody's got it together. Nobody's got it together. And if they tell you they do, they're lying. And so they're a liar, and they don't have it all together. Listen, we are broken people, and Jesus is in the 
business of fixing broken things. But let me tell you something. Life is not about finding things that are broken and fixing them. That's our mentality as Americans. We love to find something and make it better and make it bigger and make it faster and make it stronger. We're really good at that. Making a smaller computer that can do more and can have a better battery and can, right? Aren't we really good at that stuff? And so we kind of approach life that way and, and we get into an opportunity where there's grief in our life and we don't have time for it. Isn't it annoying when people die? I just don't have time for this. Well, that's a really sad, horrible thing to say. But you know what? Isn't that really kind of how you feel sometimes? Hey, there, there's calling hours for so-and-so. Are you going? I don't know. Got a lot going on right now. We all have a lot going on. All the time. All the time. And I think what we've been taught to do by our culture and in the church is just kind of push it, push it aside, tuck it away, move on, put on the happy face. I had a friend whose father passed away a few years ago. And they had a funeral celebration. And from the, I did not get a chance to go because I was too busy. But the people that went said it was the most awesome, amazing funeral they'd ever been to, that it was a celebration. They, didn't, they wanted to celebrate his life. So they had like a, a New Orleans-style band that after the funeral was done, they played When the Saints Go Marching In, and they played it out to church and down the street. And, and you know what? It, it was really a lot of fun for them. But you know what? There were probably people there that maybe weren't happy. You know, and, and sometimes I think that as Christians, that's the image we put out there is, hey, we need to be happy all the time, and God is good. Isn't God good? No, I'm not trying to be sarcastic or be um, irreverent here because God is good all the time. Sometimes when people say it to you, you want to punch them in the face because you don't feel that God is good right now. Or... God will never give you more than you can handle. Come here, I want to give you something more than you can handle. <laughs> All right? We've got these great Christian cliches, and we use them because they're true. But sometimes, did Jesus ask the disciples to counsel him? Guys, I need some help here. Would you give me some advice here? I really need a good Christian cliche. You know what? Jesus just wanted them nearby. And sometimes, you know why you, you, know why you go to the calling hours? I, I, I remember really early on in, in, uh, in youth ministry asking, we, we had one of the students we were working with, their um, grandparent had passed away, and I asked another youth leader, come with me to the calling hours. Because that's just what you do. And they were like, yeah, no thanks. What do you mean no thanks? The person who was 25 years old, had never been to calling hours in their whole life. I said, you, got, you need to do this. You know, you know these kids. You work with them. It'll be good for you to be there. It'll be a, an encouragement to them. I don't know what to say, he said. It doesn't matter. You don't need to say anything. You just need to be there. See, one of the things that we do, one of the things that we need to grieve is we need people we care about around us. Don't worry, you don't have to say anything. You know what you can say? You can, you can hug the person and say, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. You can just leave it at that and go stand a few feet away and just kind of be there for a while. 
That would be awkward and uncomfortable. Sure would. But you know what? You're going to help somebody. You're going to help them through their grieving process. It is not healthy. Jesus did not just buck up and man up and be the tough guy and say, this is a tough situation, everybody, but God is good, and I'm a happy man, and I'm going to let the joy of the Lord be my strength. He didn't do that. He wrestled. He struggled. He fought with this. His soul was overwhelmed to the point of death. That's pretty significant, wouldn't you say? Verse 38, what does that mean? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been going through something? It was so hard. You didn't think you were going to make it? You hurt so bad that you, would, you thought you might die. When that person passed away and they weren't a part of your life anymore. Or when that man or that woman broke relationship with you. It hurt so bad. And I'll tell you, one of the most difficult times in my, in my life, in my walk with the Lord, was when my dad died. I, I really had to struggle. But you know what? No one ever told me any of this stuff. And so I tried to stuff it down inside. And I tried to play the good Christian. And I was in ministry, so I had to, to do. And I would just lay in bed at night and sob. And my poor wife didn't know what to do. Except just, you know what? She did exactly what I needed her to do. She just stayed there and laid there next to me and put her hand on my chest and just let me cry. Jesus, he falls on the ground. Luke twenty two forty four said that he, the anguish was so intense that he was sweating blood. The stress was so intense that capillaries were bursting and he was bleeding, he was sweating blood. That's how stressed out he was. When God brings us an opportunity to grieve, it is just that. And it's not necessarily a fun time. I don't think anyone's ever had a good time grieving. But it is designed for a purpose. We will lose from the day we're born until the day we die. We will continue to lose. You will lose safety. You will lose security. You will lose health. You will lose fitness. You can work to get it back, but you lose it. You will lose your strength, and one day you will lose all your wealth that you've accumulated. You will lose your possessions. You cannot take it with you. It's a process of continual loss. And if we're going to be continually losing, none of us like to do it, wouldn't it be smart, wouldn't it be healthy to learn the right way to handle it, the right way to process it, and what to do with it when it happens? think that the answer is yes. And our best example, our best way to learn is to look at what Jesus did and how Jesus handled it. And you know what? It was okay. If two-thirds of the Psalms are David saying, God, I don't understand what's going on here. Help me. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wicked. There's nothing sinful about questioning God, about saying, Lord, I don't get this. I don't understand. Please help me. 
We don't have to just stuff it inside and put on the happy face and keep pushing forward. It's okay to cry. I don't think there was any more manly man than Jesus, even though we kind of, I think we kind of girly him up a little bit in, in our pictures. And our, Jesus was a manly man. He was a tough guy. He was passionate. He was, you know, this is, this is definitely a throwback, so you younger people might not, but he was a <laughs> kind of a, kind of a Tim Allen kind of a, kind of a guy. I really believe that he was. <laughs> and Jesus laid on the ground and he wept. It's okay to do that. Jesus prayed. And let me tell you something. I think Peter probably learned this lesson at this juncture. He couldn't do it, he kept falling asleep. Peter was a man of action. When the soldiers came, Peter jumps up and he grabs his sword. And he, but he didn't really put a lot of value on prayer here. If you're going through something right now, if you're still actively grieving, let me encourage you that to do what Jesus did. He just kept going back to prayer. No, prayer's not easy. I, I, I admit, I struggle many times to spend time with the Lord. But it's one of the best things to get you through a grieving time. It's to just spend time with God. And some of you have discovered that in your lives already. That your closest you've ever been to God was the times when you were going through the most difficult. Because you kind of put everything else aside and you just started getting quiet and being in His presence and opening up His Word and, and asking Him questions. You know what? You know what's a lot of fun? So I went, we'll go back to the camping trip this weekend. I got to hang out with my son alone. It doesn't happen very often. When you have a bunch of kids, they're all around all the time. And, but just to, just to spend time with, with, with my son, and we got to have conversation. You know, with an 8-year-old, it's different. You know, the kind of conversations you have, but it was fun. And he asked you questions that were completely nonsense or, or, you know, just not real deep. But you know what? That was okay. And I think what happens is when we go through difficult times, we start to ask God those questions that we never would ask otherwise because we think they're silly or stupid or foolish. God doesn't care. Have you ever had that precious time with one of your kids? Asking you silly little, little questions that are nonsensical and, and you, get a, you get a giggle out of them, but you answer the questions and you have some conversation and you, you build and you begin to teach them how to talk to you and how to have conversations with adults. That's what prayer is. We're simply coming and we're saying, God, I don't get this. Why did this happen? And while we're talking about it, I'll throw out another little extra. I don't even think it's in my notes. Because there's this idea, this perception that if things bad are happening, that you've done something wrong. And that's just not true. Have you ever read the book of Job? Job didn't do anything wrong, and he had an awful lot of bad things happen. An awful lot of bad things happen. Sometimes God will allow bad things to your life because you're a human being and you live on a sinful, fallen world, and bad things are just going to happen. Now, 
Do we reap what we sow? Yes. Are there consequences to our actions? Yes. But sometimes you're going to go through a grieving process because, just because. And there may not be a good answer. My dad died 15 years ago this month, and I still don't have the why. I would love to know the why. That was one of the questions I kept asking God, why? Why didn't you heal him? Why didn't you, why didn't you, because we really were believing that. We, we were praying that God would heal him. He had multiple sclerosis, and, and we just continued to watch his body deteriorate, and it was a difficult thing, and we kept, I kept saying, why? Lord, why did this happen? And I don't have the why. To this day, not satisfied. I will one day. And when I get the answer, I probably won't care anymore because I'll be in presence of Jesus. And, and those things aren't going to matter. And, and then I'll be seeing my dad anyway. So, you know. We need to learn how to listen to that interruption. When that grieving opportunity comes, instead of pushing it away and saying, I don't have time for that, the first thing we really need to do is say, you know what? I do need to take time and I need to listen. I need to allow God to do in me what he wants to do in me with this interruption that we call grief. Second thing that we need to do, excuse me, is we need to learn how to fall. You ever do one of those trust falls? Where you stand up on a chair or something? You know, it's a, it's a team building exercise. You get a couple people behind you and you close your eyes and you just fall backwards and they're supposed to catch you. You ever done that? nobody's ever done that. Okay, well, I've done that. All right, thank you. I know I've done it with a few of you in this room, so somebody's <laughs> lying. What, what is the point of that exercise? Learning that, hey, these people that I'm going to do this exercise with, that I can trust them, that I can put my safety in their hands and, come on, guys, please. And what's really fun is if you just get really low to the ground, and catch him like just an inch off the floor. I never thought you guys were going to catch me. No, but you're trying to teach them. And that's part of the grieving process is, is you know what? You know, it's, you know why grief is so difficult? It's because we have no control over what just happened. None at all. And we love to maintain control. We want our environment to be just this way. And when somebody's out of it, then we can't do anything to manipulate it. We can't do anything to bring them back or change the circumstance or situation. It drives us crazy. And learning to fall, learning to trust God and to say, okay, I know I can't do anything about this, Lord. Do what you want to do. That's a really good exercise to be involved with. Number one, we need to listen to that interruption. Allow the interruption to happen. Number two, we need to learn how to fall. Number three, we need to let God break our will through this grief process. This is fascinating to me. Hebrews 
Anybody able to get there quick? Hebrews 5.8. I'll read it nice and loud. This is talking about Jesus. What, Jesus had to learn obedience? That's weird. Wouldn't he have already known obedience? God says it, we do it. That's obedience, right? That's what I want from my kids. My kids, I say, can you please go clean your room? But Dad, I'm in the middle of an episode. Can I finish watching this episode? Dad, I'm doing this. And, and, and I look right at them and I say, yes, Dad. That's the answer I'm looking for because that's obedience. I asked you to do something, you do it. That's obedience. Is that really obedience? It's, a, it's getting the result that I want. Is it really obedience? No. Something else has to happen for it to be obedience. And where does that take place? In the heart, right? So this is fascinating to me. So the book of Hebrews says that though Jesus was a son, capital S, the son, he had to learn obedience through the things that he suffered. So something happens in our suffering that allows us to learn how to be obedient to God. Fascinating. We need to allow, so number three, we need to allow ourselves in the process of grief the ability to have our will broken and learn to be obedient to Christ. Number four, if we allow grief, it will bring us finally to a place of deep love and letting go. You see, when we do those first three stages and we finally learn that obedience, remember in the beginning we said it's an enlarging of our soul, it's an expanding of who we are as a person. And when that starts to happen, now this grieving process, and it needs to be, they call it a process because it needs to. It doesn't, all right, well, I'll set aside the day. And we'll grieve and get this done. It doesn't work that way. It brings us finally to a place of deep love and letting go. Number five, I'm sorry I'm not being real profound on these points because I'm trying to rip through them quick here. Number five, deep grieving empties our heart of junk and makes more space for God to fill. That's the exciting part. When we get toward the end of that process and we've allowed ourselves to be expanded and we've allowed God to get rid of some of the junk, his desire is that he would fill it, not just leave it empty. And he wants to fill it with good things. He wants to fill it with compassion. He wants to fill it with, with empathy. He wants to fill it with an ability for you now to be used by him and for him to help other people through the same thing that you just went through. So at the age of 26, I've already lost a parent. It gave me the ability to relate and to empathize and to understand something that people much older than me that were going through. 
that other people that were 10, 20, 30 years older than me couldn't relate to. I could go to a funeral and to calling hours. And, and I, just, I just went to one last year. A good friend of ours, um, the, the uh, Cross Point Free Methodist Church right here that we, we partner with, we do things with, uh, Pastor Darlene's husband passed away. And her sons are in their early to mid-20s. And I was able to go to that funeral, and I was able to, to talk to those guys and to look them straight in the eye and say, listen, I know a lot of people are going to say they're praying for you and that they'll do, if you need anything, call them. I said, but, but I want you to know I've walked through this. I understand how you feel. And if you want somebody to talk to, please, your mom knows how to reach me. I would be glad to do that. And I've had a chance to sit down for lunch with two of the three boys on multiple occasions because they're like, you know what, it's helpful. I have somebody that's gone through what we've gone through. When you allow yourself to grieve the way God wants you to, you then allow yourself to be opened up to be used by God to help other people along the way. Deep grieving empties our hearts of the junk, makes space for God to fill. And then the last point, I already hit it early because I just was yammering, and that praying is the center of discipleship. Jesus cried out and said, my father, in verse 42 of Matthew 26, he cries out and he says, Abba, Father, Daddy, is there an, again and again, why has this got to be this way? I can't do this. Can we do this some other way? Can we have a plan B? I think plan B would be a place to explore. Can we, can we go somewhere else with this? So I think this morning, as, as with all, the whole series, there's a lot of information and a lot of things we've covered, and they've been very big topics and very heavy. So I just want to ah, have a little sigh here, and I just want to pray with you this morning. And I'm believing that there are many of us in the room that maybe there's some grieving that you've begun that you really haven't allowed God to do what he wants to do with it. Or maybe there's some grieving that should have happened that you've kind of tucked into a pocket or, or pushed down inside and, and you've never really allowed God to deal with it the way that he wants to deal with it. And so I want to pray for you this morning because I think that if you would be willing to take it seriously, there would be some awesome things that could take place in your life. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just curious, I'm, and as I'm beginning to pray, if, if you know that, that God has spoken to your heart this morning and you would like me to specifically be praying for you, would you just put your hand up? I'm not going to name your name. I would just like to know, as I'm looking around the room, who I'm praying for. Okay? A lot of us. Okay. Father, I lift each of those before you that has raised their hand. Lord, even the few that didn't raise their hand but wanted to. God, we ask that that simple act of surrender, that you would use that. Because, Lord, your word says all we need is a little bit of faith. And it takes a little bit of faith to raise our hands. But you can do a lot with a little. And, Lord, I ask this morning that, that as you are stirring our hearts and preparing us to grow and to, to become more in who you are and, and discover more of what you want in our lives, that we would be able to 
take these steps and do these things, that we'd be able to grieve in a godly, Christ-like way. That we'd be able to, to vent through our emotions and we'd be able to, to cry and let it be okay and we'd be able to have people nearby and, and, and question and, and, and just not have it all together and know that you desire to work through us. Lord, I ask especially for those of us that maybe have grieved in an unhealthy way in the past, that we'd be able to go back and maybe dig up a few things so that we can do it right. That we would be able to allow you to come and fix those things that were damaged. Lord, teach us. Help us. Encourage us. Strengthen us in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us this morning. So awesome to have you all with us. Please, uh, if you can stay and, and fellowship a little bit, help us clean up. We would love to, love to have you around. If you can get involved in life groups, we'd love to have you there as well. God bless you. We'll see you next week.